Past Dark is intended for adults only. Listener discretion is advised. Jorge Luis Borges, the Argentinian writer of speculative fiction, wrote a story in the late 1930s called Tlon, Ukbar Orbis Tertius. This densely woven tale concerns the discovery by the narrator that history itself is being edited and infiltrated by a secret society of intellectuals, scientists, and philosophers known as Orbis Tertius. This cabal was founded in the 17th century, and its aim was to create an alternate universe by overriding our history with its own, the history of the world of Tlon. The members of the order delineate flora, fauna, language, and every other possible fact about Tlon, seeding a new world within our own. This occurs slowly over a period of hundreds of years, with successive generations of co-conspirators nominated by their fellows and slyly replacing historical records and littering the world with a false past. At the end, the narrator succumbs to the idea that the world he thought he knew is disappearing and slowly being submerged beneath the false history of a new world. The story is a mind-bender, an exercise in the uncanny, where the familiar ground of human history betrays itself as something unsteady and possibly even unnatural. And while it is a work of fiction, the idea that history can be suppressed, even rewritten, is not a new one, and it is not confined to fiction. Herbert Illig, a German scholar, and Hans Ulrich Niemitz, a German engineer and professor, believe that 300 years of history never occurred, 297 years to be exact, and that all evidence in history of the years between 614 and 911 AD have been fabricated, and were at best deeply misinterpreted and or misrepresented by conspirators operating within two empires and the Roman Catholic Church. And there is Anatoly Fomenko, a Russian mathematician and topologist who goes even farther. That the entire timeline of world history is a thousand years off, that Jesus actually died in the 12th century, and all written history prior to 1600 has been falsified by the Vatican, the Romanovs, and the Holy Roman Empire. How could three seemingly well-educated academics arrive at this possibility? How does anyone convince themselves that such a large rewrite of reality, occurring over hundreds, even thousands of years, is possible, never mind probable? And most importantly, could it, just maybe, be true? This is a story of forgery and fakery, pseudoscience and conspiracy. This is the story of phantom history, and it's past dark.
Anyone who studies the medieval period at length will soon encounter a cascade of forgeries. It is said that around 50% of the documents purporting to be from the Carolingian Empire, the Frankish dynasty that bore Charlemagne, were fakes, coins, landed charters, papal decrees. These and many more were tampered with or wholly invented throughout the Middle Ages and beyond. Monks and clergy, who for years were the caretakers of official records, were consequently also the most prolific forgers due to their constant access. Such was the interest in these forgeries that a conference was held in Munich in 1986, the results of which were published in five volumes. The last talk was given by a professor by the name of Horst Furman, textbook author and president of the Bavarian Academy of Sciences and former president of Monumenta Germani Historica, a collection of German historical sources from A.D. 500 to 1500. And in a few sentences, he would unknowingly provide fertile ground out of which would grow a conspiracy. Furman mentions a string of well-known medieval fakes, and then he says, quote, All these forgeries have the characteristic that, at the time they were written, they had hardly any effect. At the time of their creation, they had an anticipatory character. In other words, these documents had a precognitive quality, a bearing on events that were yet to happen their political utility not apparent for centuries. For example, the most famous medieval forgery is the document known as the Donation of Constantine, written in the 8th century, but masquerading as a 4th century account of the Roman Emperor Constantine surrendering all of his power and lands to the Pope after being cured miraculously of leprosy. But it was a hand that wouldn't be played until the 11th century, where it would prove its worth as a weapon used by the church to legitimize and multiply its power. Despite long disagreements as to its legitimacy, it would not be exposed as a fake until the 15th century. And then there are the false decretals, a 9th century collection of Roman Catholic legislation, also a tool of power and control that, again, lay dormant for the next 200 years. And those are just two of many examples. It begs the question, why? Why forge something whose usefulness is not immediately obvious, something that not even your own grandchildren would bear witness to? It would be like having a winning lottery ticket, knowing it's a winner, but leaving it to rot in your glove box for two centuries. And according to Herbert Eilig and Hans Ulrich Niemitz, these questions in the narrative occur because 300 years of history are fiction. Our timeline has been manipulated at the behest of those in power, and substantiated by forgeries and myths of historical figures who never really existed. Eilig and Niemitz would call these manipulations the Phantom Time Hypothesis. The bedrock claim of the hypothesis is that the Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, Pope Sylvester II, 
Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII all plotted to set the timeline of their own rulerships to the year 1000, despite actually ruling 297 years earlier. To make up for this lapse in time, 297 years had to be filled with false history, and all incidences of anticipatory character were simply byproducts of this great forgery, moments in time when the curtain is parted and the truth found out. Elig also theorizes that the history of Charlemagne, who lived during this period of phantom time, was a wholly invented figure, and provides many examples of historical errors and half-truths, as well as a strange lack of substantiation for the most basic details of his existence. His place of birth, for example, is attributed to over a dozen places, and the chapel of St. Mary at Aachen a Carolingian structure built by order of Charlemagne and another supposed burial site is built in a style that would not come into popular use for three centuries. The Charlemagne of the Phantom Era is supported only by forged documents and false provenance, a sort of Frankish king author, a mythical figure whose birthplace and even burial site is forever unknowable because he has been entirely fabricated engrafted into world history. Helig had long been a student of the ideas of Emanuel Velikovsky, who posited a system he called revised chronology, moving the accepted historical timeline around by centuries, and pushing ancient Greek and Egyptian chronology forward by 500 years. His work was wildly controversial, and his conclusions largely rejected by academics. Today, his theories are considered pseudoscience, but some of his predictions, that the surface of Venus would prove to be extremely hot, or that the surface of Jupiter would be found to emit radio waves, would eventually come true, lending Velikovsky some small measure of credibility. Elig and Nimitz would not be so lucky. Because as fascinating and fantastical as phantom time may appear, nor how intriguing the questions it provokes, it is wholly, demonstrably wrong. So much so that even the most cursory examination of history lays waste to the idea immediately. Conspiracies can easily be gauged for believability by the number of participants it would require. The more actors and moving parts are involved, the more untenable the idea becomes. This is simply due to human nature. Human beings are not that great at keeping a secret, and phantom time would necessitate the involvement of a minimum of hundreds of people in a seamless Borgesian council, operating worldwide in total secrecy and leaving no trace of their existence. It would have required not only the manufacturer Charlemagne but also the falsification of the first Islamic caliphate, the Dong dynasty, the founding of Kyoto, the Persian-Roman wars, and so on and so on. That such a vast shadow network conspired to alter time itself just because a couple of emperors wanted that added flair of ruling in the year 1000 instead of the grubby 600s, the only real motive Illig offers for such a feat strains plausibility to its breaking point. 
As for the examples of anticipatory character found in medieval forgeries, the difficulty of properly dating medieval documents cannot be overstated, especially prior to forensic advancements of the 20th century. Documents were often written on the backs of older ones, and sometimes only dates would be altered, leaving the rest intact. Endless ancient texts were copied from the originals, with slight variations owing to faded text or simple human error. Thus, what appears to be a conspiracy or even precognition has a far more rational and likely explanation. It also can be argued that, owing to the Great Schism in the 11th century, where the Roman Catholic and Orthodox Church severed ties, any means necessary were called upon to control the shift of power, and these forgeries suddenly proved their usefulness in one of the greatest tumults in religious history. In regards to Charlemagne, it would be easy to discount any happening from the phantom years as never occurring, because there are many blank spaces in our understanding of this time period, which falls in the era known as the Dark Ages. It was a period of population decline, mass migration, invasions, and upheaval. Records would have been destroyed, lost, even forgotten. Blank spots in the history are thus to be expected, and should not be attributed merely to conspiracy. And if that is not enough of an indication of its unreality, the last proof, and by far the most ironclad, is astronomy. Observations made over many years and many cultures show agreement and continuity with the other, and the skies in the end are the surest proof that we are in fact living, for better or worse, in the 21st century. Despite appearing often in German popular media in the late 1990s, neither Illig nor Nemitz have answered their detractors, except to call forth ever more conspiracies in an endless kaleidoscope of possibility. Neither have spoken on phantom time in nearly a decade. And that is not the case with our next phantom historian, Anatoly Fomenko. The Russian mathematician and topologist has written voluminously since the 1970s about his own theory, which he calls New Chronology. He has answered his critics a number of times, even compiling a multi-volume work called History, Science or Fiction that picks apart many long-held ideas about the past using not history, but mathematics. Fomenko was inspired by the work of Nikolai Morozov, a Russian scholar who spent 25 years in prison for his revolutionary acts, and later wrote The Revelation in Storm and Thunder, outlining his theory that the revelation to John can be dated to September the 30th, 395 AD, and that much of our history is false. Fomenko ran with the theory and laid responsibility for the mass conspiracy on the House of Romanov, the Holy Roman Empire, and the Vatican. He believes that true history was perpetuated by a group he calls the Russian Horde, a vast empire that dominated the world until the 17th century, when their history was erased. He argues that a large number of tribal peoples such as the Huns, the Goths, the Bulgars, and the Ukrainians, and many more, 
were actually a single people whose identity became purposefully fragmented to further erase them from history. It is interesting to note how Fominko's theories are Russia-centered, and Illig and Nemitz's theories are Eurocentric. The difference in cultural lens is even more fascinating when considering the origins of Fominko's work in New Chronology. During the Soviet era, information in history itself was highly malleable. It is a settled point of history that countless Soviet citizens and political figures were disappeared from the official state record, sent to the gulags, their faces excised out of photographs, and all mention of their existence removed. Fomenko would certainly have also borne witness to this disturbing propensity to alter or erase history on the part of the Soviet Politburo, as he took part in a number of state-sponsored studies on news from the West, applying statistical analysis to measure discrepancies. He began to understand the malleability of the written word, especially in news reports, where small changes and minor editing over time could be amplified, misquoted, and otherwise subtly altered with the end result over a long period being a complete distortion. It's a lot like the rumor game you may have played in elementary school, where the teacher whispers a phrase to one student who whispers it to somebody else, and at the end, it emerges completely garbled. History could happen the same way, Fomenko decided, with later historians building upon small errors that grew magnified over time, and incidents that were depicted in history as happening separately and over vast distances were often, in reality, one event. For example, Fomenko believes that the Trojan War and the Crusades were one and the same, whose details became vague and then separated over centuries by erroneous reporting and record-keeping. For these reasons, Fomenko prefers to use mathematics and the sciences to prove his theories, as they are not as vulnerable to human manipulation. Due to the sheer density and volume of Fomenko's writings and his rejection from publication in peer-reviewed journals, his theories are not as easily collapsed nor as widely mentioned as the phantom time hypothesis. That does not mean that academics have even remotely embraced his theories, merely that their mathematical complexity doesn't lend itself to the pop media treatment afforded Elig and Nemitz's ideas. The reason peer-reviewed journals will not accept his work is based on his disavowal of commonly used and rigorously tested dating methods and his lack of explanation of his own methods and reasoning behind his organization of historical data, which prevents other scientists from repeating the same results. While Fomenko's use of mathematics lends the work a gravity it might not otherwise deserve, the weight of importance or value attached to particular events is Fomenko's alone, and therefore entirely subjective. After all, subjectivity is what all scientific methods seek to overcome. It has also been mentioned by his critics that the cultural bias in his work supposes that many separate peoples with their own histories and cultures are mere appendages, extensions of a great secret Russian empire. He has been called an imperialist and a symbol of the decline in scholarship and research since the collapse of the Soviet Union.
For these and probably many other reasons, he was awarded a dubious prize at the 2004 Moscow Book Fair, a certificate of dishonor for the worst book published in Russia. While a point-by-point -point refutation of his work has never been done, and probably never will be, as all those capable of doing so appear to consider him not worth the effort. Conspiracies are tricky things. All of us know that facts can be suppressed. Those in power have always hidden things from those they have power over. This can be a benign thing. For instance, if you're a parent, you might hide the fact that Santa Claus isn't real for a few years. If you're a politician, you might hold certain military secrets from the general public to ensure the safety of military personnel. Complete candor is not always possible or advisable. And sometimes we may find out that 20 years ago, a politician withheld information to gain more power at the expense of human life, and not to protect soldiers, for instance, as it was initially sold to us. And maybe we find out that the parent protecting his children's tender faith in Santa is actually just a liar. In this age of revealed secrets, this makes us wary of the machinations behind the scenes, and with every scandal and reveal, we are left that much more vulnerable to the idea that there is even more yet to be revealed. And maybe there is. But the fact is, while the past can be somewhat disputed, the really horrible things are never hidden very well, or for very long. It's an unfortunate fact that many ordinary people in Germany noticed the endless clouds of smoke from the crematoriums, saw cattle cars filled with human beings pass right by their own homes. When freedom riders were killed in Mississippi during the civil rights era, plenty of townspeople knew exactly what had happened, even knew the murderers themselves, and did nothing. Jim Jones already had a mountain of allegations against him before he decamped to Guyana and led the greatest American mass murder in our history. Terrible things happen every day right out in the open, and they didn't need a conspiracy to hide behind. They happen because human beings are fallible and easily corrupted. We are also clumsy at keeping things under wraps, a fact that renders most conspiracies comical. Human beings are not action figures. We leave things behind. We forget where we're parked. And we're rotten at keeping secrets. Past Dark is written and produced by Carmen Park. Original music by Skillhack.